Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Well, what a passage of scripture for a baptism service, I hear you say. Um, that was just one of the thoughts, just one of the thoughts going through my mind as I opened up this passage of Scripture last week. Can I just gently reassure uh, the Green family? We are, you wouldn't know this, but we are in a series looking at the whole of the book of Romans, uh, and here we are on this special day in this very special passage. Um, but actually, as I was uh, rereading through it and praying through it, Lord, help, um, I was reminded that actually everything about baptism speaks of God's plan and desire to want to renew and cleanse this world and everything in it. Because God, as you know, hopefully, loves this world. He loves all people, the whole of humanity. And his desire is that we would live in an intimate, trusting relationship with him. But you and I know that that isn't the case for everyone in this world. God loves us so much, he's given us free will. Because if he didn't, then it wouldn't be true love. And free will means that we can decide how we live our lives. And many people choose not to live with God. They choose not to live walking their daily lives in step with him. But God has a better plan for this world. God has a better plan for us. And this is the story of the gospel as we read in the whole of Scripture and as is shown through this letter that Paul the Apostle writes to the church in Rome. Last week, we looked at this overarching theme of the whole letter, which is the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and we will come back to that. But you know, and I know, that light shines brightest in the darkness. And the Apostle Paul, in these verses, is describing God's response to sin, to those who walk away from him. And his desire, again, God's desire, is that we walk in an intimate, trusting, daily relationship with him. That we live lives of purpose and meaning, joy and peace. That we know God's presence and power with us. So uh, I'm going to suggest we pray, ask for God's help as we read these words together in Romans, and then we'll have a look at them. So Lord, we do pray, help us, guide us. The light of you, Jesus, shine upon us. In your name we ask. Amen. I wonder if you've been somewhere recently in the world, uh, in creation, where you have felt closer to God. It might have been walking along a beach or up a mountain, somewhere where you have really sensed God's presence with you, wherever you have been. Maybe it's your place that you go to to connect with God. Paul is writing this letter from Corinth to the church in Rome, and he's 
telling us that God's glory is revealed in creation. Have a look at verse 20. It says, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what he has made. So whether it's a walking through a wild storm or watching spring unfold or just the silent beauty of a blanket of snow on the ground, we can see God through his creation. He has intentionally made the world this way so that it reveals God to us. And the first few verses that we've read this morning are telling us not only can we see God's glory in creation, but also many people ignore him and they turn the other way. They turn instead to human images and idols, it says in verse 23. Now the truth is everybody worships something or someone, all of us. For some it's football, for others it's their favourite artist, it could be money, it could be a car, it could be a house, the list goes on. An idol is anything that takes the place that God should have in our lives and the worship that is due to him. And we read that when that happens, God gets angry. He, he shows his wrath. But it's different to human anger. I was thinking about my anger, and I encourage you to think about your own. Often when I get angry, it's not righteous anger because I'm angry on behalf of someone who's been treated badly. Sometimes it's, it's just anger because someone's mistreated me, and it can risk being more about a desire for revenge. God's anger, on the other hand, is directed at the sin that he sees in this world. And so as part of the baptism liturgy that I read out a few minutes ago, I said, we all wander far from God and we lose our way. And then I asked that series of questions, starting with, do you turn from sin? Because you see, the thing is, holiness and sin do not mix. Think of it like water and oil, or light and darkness, or the positive and negative poles of a magnet. They, they repel each other. And so God, in all his holiness and evil that we see in the world, do not mix. They, they cannot be together. And our God is a God of justice, a God of light, of goodness, of holiness, and he despises sin. He gets angry at sin and evil in the same way that you and I do when we see evil in the world. How do you feel about it? I'm guessing you feel angry. Rightly so. But when people rebel against God constantly, when they refuse to walk with him in their lives consistently, it gets to a point where God because we have free will, can only let people go. He leaves them to their own devices, and that's what's meant by verse 24. God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts. Think of it like a, a parent with a child, with our children who are now in their teenage years. We can do so much to, to bring them up, to, to lead them, but eventually they're going to find their own way. 
God has given us free will. He doesn't control us, and he doesn't force himself upon us. And the sin that people have turned towards here in Romans isn't just about idols. It impacts our relationships too. And so Paul writes here about natural and unnatural relationships. And what he's saying is that natural relationships are those that God intended at the beginning. He's pointing us back to the beginning of the Bible, to Genesis, before the fall. And we read about, in Genesis, a man and a woman joining together in marriage as a foundation for sexual intimacy and as the basis for family life. And this is what Paul means by natural. And the opposite of that is unnatural. And so he says unnatural relationships, a man with a man, a woman with a woman. Now these are challenging words for the church globally, for us personally, and for our culture. And the most important thing I want you to hear today is you need to work out what you believe before God. That is the most important here. I'm encouraging you to go on a journey to discern what you believe. What I understand from these verses in Romans 1 and Genesis 1, Matthew 19 and Revelation 22 is that God's created order is for a man and a woman to be joined together in marriage and that this is God's ordained place for sexual intimacy. Now, I fully acknowledge many in society would disagree with me, and you may disagree with me too. And if you want to explore this more, we're going to have the second in our series, Made in His Image, on the 10th of April. So come and join us as we together have a conversation about this topic and issues around human sexuality. But today, we need to hold these verses in perspective because Paul goes on to list a a long list of sins. He talks about evil and greed and depravity and envy and murder and strife and deceit and malice and on it goes boasting, disobedience uh, against parents, senselessness, faithlessness, heartlessness, ruthlessness. It's quite a list. There's 21 sins listed here. And as I was looking at these and then I was reading the news, I realized, well, it's quite an accurate description of what we see going on in the world. Sin is not from God, but it is a consequence of turning from God. And it's only as we understand the depths of the darkness that we really understand our need for the light, the light of the world, Jesus And so if in this passage we can see God's glory and we can see God's wrath, we can also see God's kindness. The danger with these lists in Romans 1 is that we have either one of two reactions. We either go through this list and we sort of think, well, you know, I'm doing quite well. I haven't really sort of, I don't think that's really me. And no, I don't quite fall into that trap. And we give ourselves a gold star. We think, well, I've done very well. You know, 18 out of 21, I've passed the test. Well done me, pat on the back. The problem with that is, if you look at verse 30, pride and boasting are listed. (laughs) The second reaction might be that we read through this list 
And we think, oh, yes, there is David Walker, I see. There he is in that verse, that word. And there he is again and again and again. And we end up putting names against these sins of people who we think, yes, yes, they definitely fall into that trap. This is called judgment, and chapter 2 has something to say about that. Now, you might notice in chapter 1, Paul writes in the third person, they did this, they did that. But if you look, as soon as he turns to chapter 2, it's suddenly you, the second person. And he's writing these words, particularly at the beginning of, I mean, there were no chapters when he wrote it, but when he was writing this letter, the church in Rome was made up of Gentile, that's non-Jewish Christians, and Jewish Christians. And at the beginning of chapter 2, he's got the, the Jewish Christians in his mind, because he, he knew that they would be feeling a bit holier than thou, you know, polishing the halo, we're doing fine, thank you God. And he's saying to them, don't look down on others. He's saying to you and me, don't look down on others. If we point a finger at someone else, we're condemning ourselves. And it is God's job to judge, not ours. And we need justice in this world, don't we? We need justice at a personal level, at a societal level, at a global level. We need justice. But Paul is reminding us here that God is the judge over all. And one day, Jesus will return to this world and he will serve his perfect judgment. And on that day, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he goes on as well to remind the Jewish Christians and us of God's kindness through the generations at the end of that passage that we read, verse 4 of chapter 2, and he's saying, look back at everything that God has done for you through the whole of the scriptures, the Old Testament, and see God's goodness, his kindness to you. God is kind, God is loving, and his righteous anger and justice stem for a love for those who are facing injustice. And I'm going to finish with this to remind us that we see God's justice and love most in the cross. Through the cross of Christ. It's this gospel that Paul's writing about at the beginning of Romans chapter 1. The good news that even though we all sin, every one of us, we are justified, we are forgiven and we are made righteous before God through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. As we hold on to him in faith, every day of our lives, asking for his help, trusting in him. And through the gospel, God unleashes this mighty power to change our relationship with God. He declares you and me innocent before him through the cross. He removes this barrier of sin. And the water of baptism 
reminds us symbolically of this cleansing from our sin. And by faith, the true wonder is that God accepts you as his daughters and his sons. He accepts you as you are. Yes, he wants us to to grow in holiness and to grow in our faith with him. But acceptance comes first. And this is the wonder of amazing grace. And this is the good news of Jesus. And our response is to praise God. But we see before that, if you look at verse 4 of chapter 2, our response is repentance. And so I would, I'm just going to lead us through a time of silence, first of all. And then I'm going to suggest that we pray or declare together those words that the family said as part of the baptism service. As I ask us whether we're going to turn from our sin, reject evil, turn to Christ and trust in him. But let's just still our hearts before God now. And maybe for a minute, just close your eyes. This is between you and God in silence as we together confess our sins and we allow God to search our hearts and our lives. And so I pray, Lord, in this moment of stillness, bring to mind our sinfulness, our need for you, your love for us and your kindness to us. And so those questions are going to appear on the screen and uh, we're going to respond with the words in yellow. Do you turn away from sin? Do you reject evil? Do you turn to Christ as Saviour? And do you trust in him as your Lord? And so I pray, may Almighty God deliver all of us from the powers of darkness and restore us in the image of his glory and lead us in the light and obedience of Christ. Amen. Can I encourage you to stand, please? And we're going to respond in worship.